Friends, this is Pablo with Wild Sons, and I want to welcome you to the Wild Sons podcast. Today, I want to invite you to join me on a conversation I recently had with my friend and mentor, Jim McCoy. Jim is one of the men whose impact has radically changed my life. When I was in my early 20s, I was experiencing tremendous hardship. My, my world was basically falling apart. I was losing my heart. I had lost my heart. And it was at that time that I got to meet Jim through what I can only describe as a divine encounter. Jim began to fight for me and to guide me on the journey to get my heart back. And this was really the beginning of my journey of restoration uh, for me 18 years ago. During our conversation, Jim and I uh, talk about the masculine journey while recounting the memories of when we first met. And we get a really good perspective of this journey from someone who has been fighting for his own heart and for the hearts of others for many, many decades now. Now, this conversation was recorded outside at a recent Wild Sons event we hosted here in the mountains of Colorado. So the quality of the audio is not the best, really, but I think that the treasures we dig in, in our conversation make up for it. And I really think you're going to enjoy it. Join me now on this conversation with my friend and mentor, Jim McCoy. All right, we're, we're here in beautiful Colorado, in this gorgeous mountain range. And, uh, and today we have the honor to share with the Wild Sons community a conversation between me and Jim McCoy, who's been my mentor and my friend Yes. for almost two decades. I, I get emotional. Jim, thank you for being here. Thank you for all that you've done in my life and for me and for my family. For context, I think I, I need to share um, when we first met, it was, I think, 2004, and I was a royal mess. <laughs> a, a guy full of desires, and I wanted to be a great guy, and I wanted to be a good husband, and I had dreams for my life. Um, I was a Christian and I was trying to follow Christ as best as I could. But on the inside, I was a wreck. I was mm. full of addictions. I had been into pornography for maybe 15 years by then. I had married, I was married. And uh, although I loved my wife without knowing, I didn't know how to fight for her heart. So I was just run, running over her in a thousand different ways. And I was in a huge crisis. And I didn't know the answer because all my categories were like checked. I'm going to church. I'm going to the small group. I'm trying to do the things that a good, nice Christian man is supposed to do. And my life was still a mess and I couldn't reconcile those two things. And I was crying out to God, help me, God. And that was the depth of my prayer because I didn't have categories. Jesus helped me, rescued me. And then I got to meet you. Hmm. What's amazing about that is as I look back, I didn't see the mess. Like I, I was as I'm posing. sitting, you, you were amazing <laughs> poser. It was incredible because uh, I remember seeing a put together yeah. guy, right? This is the facade we all put together. Incredible lessons in that, by the way. But I remember looking across and just seeing, you know, a motivated, hmm. together, talented, um, tender hearted. Like I, I picked up on that, uh, congenial, 
man. I mean, that's that's how you came across, yeah. you know. And so, yeah. now and we met in a business setting, yes. right? We were uh, our paths crossed in that, and then we both picked up on on verbiage, like you dropping the, you know, blessing here or yeah. something there, and you go, oh, I wonder if he's a Christian. Yeah, you know, and that's that's where our journey began. Yeah. And and I actually wanna uh, highlight something you just mentioned. Um, those things that you picked up on me, I think those were very accurate, but they were only part of the story, right? On that's the outside, right. that's who I had become, right? A put-together, nice guy, proper, yes, motivated, and yes, talented in my craft, in my vocation by then, right? Even though I was a young 20-something-year-old, I, I already, God had given me certain talents, and I could display those talents. But on the inside, again, the story was a different one. Yes, and, and when we use the word poser, it seems harsh, yeah. but it's really the facade right. that we put together. Yes. And that's almost required in the business environment, yes. right? True. Um, I don't want to start my business meeting off going, my home <laughs> life is crap, man. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, here's my business card, by the way. Yes. And, uh, you know, my inner life sucks. Uh, and. That's not how we conduct ourselves in the business realm. I don't even know if that's wise to conduct ourselves in the business realm. So we do have right. our professional sure. facade. But if we think that's the full extent of who we are, hmm. um, and if that's our read on everybody that we meet in the business realm, that they have their lives together, and there isn't an inner life that very most likely is in turmoil mm. and is struggling and is searching, um, then we're missing the bigger picture of a man's story. Yes. Right? There's so much more there. Mm. And um, I think the way the world is set up, we're reading a lot of what we're seeing out there and thinking that's the full picture. And that's destructive in two ways. One, it doesn't allow you to fully invest in understanding a man's story. Mm. So how can I really know you? Yes. Um, and if I can't really know you, then how can you receive my love or my affirmation towards you? Yes. Because in your mind, you're saying, well, if he only knew. Right. If he only knew. So he, he's loving the mask that yes. I'm wearing. He's not loving me. So that's destructive. Yes. And then the other thing is, is what it does to you. Because you know you have your own crap, and it's in there. Yep. And if I know I have my own crap, and I'm reading everybody else in the world is having their stuff together, ugh, then I must, be, I must be really an inferior man. Yes. And neither of those two are good good circumstances yes. which actually speaks a lot into what I experience when I experience you first so now I'm in this meeting I know my internal life I don't know yours but what I see is this man who's a successful businessman who's making an impact in his community who has a beautiful family a beautiful life a beautiful home and and I'm the idiot like I clear there was something fundamentally wrong with me and you disrupted me big time during that business meeting because you asked me to follow up by going to your house on a Tuesday evening to meet with you and your buddies on some 
of what I understood was some sort of a Bible study some group or <laughs> and the last thing that I needed was more yeah. I don't want more religion like I, I've tried it all and it, it gave me a break but I took a risk honestly because I needed to close the business <laughs> <laughs> I just so who cares what the motivation was yeah. you got there God pulled me in right and I remember uh, like parking outside of your house and and looking again at the at the cover the of facade, the book at the facade right. of the book mm -hmm. And it was wow. And I rang the bell, filled with intimidation. Because I'm getting into this, these are big leagues, these are really successful men. This is what a real man looks like, hmm. not who I am. And uh, you open the door, and the first thing you said is, hey, welcome. You want to go to the backyard? The guys are out there smoking some cigars. Why don't you join them? Do you want anything to drink? I can make you like a Roman Coke, a Cuba Libre uh, out in Miami. Not the Bible study you were thinking. I was confused, man. I was, what? Should I walk in? Is this, this sounds awesome, <laughs> but this doesn't sound too Christian-y to me. Um, then we watched some UFC fights. Yeah. And on the inside, I was really confused. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, and we didn't even continue our conversation. It was just, I was being like watching a movie inside your home with your friends. And everything changed when after a fight where there was this heavyweight beating the Torah out of another guy. I had never watched a UFC fight, by the way, I'm a mixed martial arts fight. So I was against the couch like, what, what is this? And the guy's startling. bleeding on the ground. A startling, yeah. And no one is stopping him. The other guy is still beating at him. And then you ask the question where you said, we are all facing a 250 pound gorilla in our lives. And we all feel in some area of our lives that we are in a cage with that gorilla coming at us to beat the crap out of us like this guy just did. Who is that gorilla to you? What is the fight that you're facing? And you and the other guys began to share. And for the first time, I was, whoa. So these guys who seem to have their act together, to seem to be real men, are actually experiencing things that are very similar to what I experience at the level of the heart. Their story, their circumstances may be different, each one of theirs, but at the level of the heart, they're all in a journey. And I'm maybe not the idiot. Maybe there's something else going on here. And through that conversation, you open the doors of the kingdom of God to me. I realized there's a bigger story at play. There's something larger going on. And somehow I may not understand it, but I'm being invited into something way bigger than anything I had experienced until then. How did, how did your heart feel? Like when you, when you're out there having stogies with guys and a cocktail and you're in this social environment, you're still feeling off balance. Then you, you get pulled into this, you know, brutal fight scene that we're all watching UFC or in some big screen. At some point, did your heart start connecting? Was there a, a masculine yearning to connect with it? Or oh, were yeah. you still just thoroughly off balance and not understanding? Yeah, no, when you asked that question, when you brought it home, and it was no longer about the stogies or the cocktails or the UFC fight, which are, were never the point. That's right. You were using those as an avenue to get to the issues of the heart. And when you asked that question, for me, it was like the curtain was open. Whoa, wait a second. 
I matter, I have a heart, and my story matters, and I don't understand it yet, but it looks like there, a lot has happened to me that has made me into the man that I have become, and the circumstances that I'm experiencing are in great part the result of the choices that I have made and the wounds that I have received. And there's a ton of my story that I don't even understand, but I was curious, and I could see something that I had never seen before in a Christian environment, which was authenticity, mm -hmm. transparency, vulnerability. And my, my takeaway from that were, was, these guys are strong, that there's a strength in these men that are willing to share the reality of their journey, the reality of their internal life, and not simply pretend, the Lord is good, I'll be praying yeah. for you, brother, right. which had been my experience up until the, that point. Nice Christian men on the facade. With Sunday school smiles, right? right? Deep in pain, yes. but projecting something totally different. Right. And what type of spiritual walk is that? Right. Right? Right. Um, there's several things I loved about how you just portrayed what was going on on the inside, because I think when the Lord steps into our life and starts to pull back the blinders a little bit and um, grab a hold of you, it's jarring. Yeah. It's unnerving. It's uh, unorthodox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what the heck's going on, Lord? Uh, you know, and we've been trained in that uh, Christianity looks a certain way. Um, and a lot of that, not saying all of it, but a lot of that has robbed men of their masculinity. Mm. So a lot of what you experienced that slowly connected you and then the bringing it home that each of us are, are battling something pretty intense, mm -hmm. something fierce, yes. wakes you up and uh, takes you out of the, the slumber of filling a church pew mm -hmm. and just trying to do sin management and be good. Mm -hmm. And then when you screw up being good, ask forgiveness and then go about trying to be good yeah. again. And if that's the journey that you're walking, if that's what our Lord is about, you're gonna go into a deep sleep, man. Uh, and you're gonna be walking around with a lot of pain and a lot of unanswered questions. And so what I loved is that knock at the door, a feeling of uncertainty, you know, heading in, who knows what motives pulls you into that, what the Lord uses to draw you into that invitation. It may be rock bottom. Yeah. It may be a business deal. Uh, you know, it, it may be a romance. It may be tons of things that um, are unorthodox ways into truth. Yes. But once the Lord gets you in there, yes. the journey begins. And what I'm hearing you say in that, Jim, to reflect is there is more. And so I didn't know there was more. There was something in my heart telling me there has to be more to the Christian experience, to Christian life, to walking with God, to life in general, that one, than what I am experiencing now. Like the Lord be. can't be... This can't right. be what the Lord intended for it me, right? Because it's not it matching up to what I'm reading, Correct. Right? right? These promises aren't aligning with what my life looks like. Yes. So what gives? Yes. And then in my case, it was through you, through your invitation and God putting me in the setting of your band of brothers back in the day to experience, whoa, 
there is more. Mm -hmm. And so the combination of the intimidation, dang it, this means that I may need to face things that I don't want to face. I may need to go into places in my heart that I don't want to go. I want to shove that down and just keep trying to be nice. But at the same time, the honor that maybe there is much more to me that I thought than I thought. And maybe the role that I play is bigger than the role that I thought. Maybe if I partner with God and accept this invitation to the journey you're describing, I may find myself discover, having my, recovering my heart yeah. and having the type of life that I long for, not necessarily circumstantially, but at least at the level of the heart to live from a free heart from, with a life of passion and adventure and freedom and purpose and knowing my role in that story. And I didn't have all these words back then. But in the same time that I was intimidated by, by what I was seeing at first, I also felt this, this pull. I was drawn to you, to your friends, to Phil and the rest of the guys, Paul. I, I was curious, what's up with these guys? What is this journey like? What if I say yes? It's mysterious and it felt like jumping out of a helicopter without a parachute. But I'm in. I, I, whatever this is, the, there is God is here. Mm. Jesus, the real Jesus, not the creepy religious Jesus, but the real, authentic, loving, passionate, wild Jesus is wild. here. Right? That group that you described, yeah. we didn't have it figured out. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, we, we were we were still, you know, fighting our own battles and still fight our own battles today. So you never get there. You never arrive. So there's that. Um, but you're in the fight, yes. you know, um, and, and some of the veil starts to get stripped away and you start to see that there's a battle underway. And then the other is the you mentioned about seven times. What if? What if? And. That's the adventure. Yes. Um, putting it out on the line and getting your hopes up and and allowing your masculine heart, giving your yourself permission to start seeing the Lord as a warrior who's fighting for your heart mm. and the freedom to help you through the bondages and this false self, this persona that you've put together that has quite frankly gotten you where you are. I mean, there's a reason why we ad adopt some of these personas um, is to get us through some really hardships that we weren't prepared to deal with. And so we hold on to them and they work for us through a season. And then there comes a time where you can say, this isn't working for me anymore. This isn't who I am. And I think I am going to I think I am going to take a risk. And that's all those what ifs that you just threw in there were an invitation into adventure with no guarantees whatsoever. And, um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the magical, spiritual, masculine frontier into your soul. That's the adventure. That's, you know, that's the journey. And you can choose to get on it and to let go and to say, Lord, if, if that's the landscape, it's matching the landscape of my heart. Mm. I'm connecting with something here. Mm. I don't know where you're going to take me. And it's a little scary because this is a lot of unknowns and, and there's a lot of reasons why I feel comfortable while it may put me into a slumber. 
in the safety and comfort of, you know, what typical Christianity might look like. But if what you're describing is true, that's a risk I want to take, yes. man, because I can picture myself coming alive. Like there's something encoded in me that makes me long for that. So you're right. Some of those elements of the evening was just fellowship and, and just allowing guys to be guys. But it wasn't the intention of the gathering. The intention of the gathering is to connect with, I've got battles in my lives and I'm not the only one. And there are other men that do as well. And once I realized that, then there's the idea that I'm gonna go off and try to fight these battles by myself or are gonna link up with a band of brothers who have a common passion and determination to make a go of it and to spend their years in the adventure and um, making themselves available to fighting a noble battle in the everyday life. We all can kind of gear up for the battle when it's this big dramatic thing because, uh, quite frankly, our ego likes that, and so we can yeah. jump into that. I'm a warrior. Yeah, yeah. Me, suit up for battle. Yeah. But what about in the everyday mundane battles, you know? And um, I think that's, that's the journey that we're called into, and if we can connect with that and link up with guys that get it as well, then um, the landscape can look a little different for us. Yes. And, I, and what you just described was a stark moment where you saw something different. Yep. It appealed to you. You were off balance, but there was something you were connecting with. And then the what if game started happening. And in your case, you started to go, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Like, uh, I'm in. I didn't know quite what I was looking for, but I was looking for something. And this, this, is, this is registering as something that my heart is longing for. And so I, I went through the same, same journey. I went through, you know, what led up to that moment was looking around in the church culture and it just not aligning up with my heart or what I was reading and the promises in scripture. It was more sin management and it was, how to be good and nice and and then someone gave me this radical book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and it all started and it didn't open my eyes as much as affirmed what was in there yes like he gave me permission to say that's it's good to hold on to that yes and um, that masculinity is needed in the battle yes. it's not to be feared or run for. I love, uh, I think Eldridge says something like, a scalpel can be used to save a life or to cause harm. So we don't dull the scalpel because it can cause harm. We just train ourselves to use it for good. That's masculinity. And we're living in a culture, particularly right now in this time of age, where that masculinity is under siege. Yes. And. Um, and particularly in the Christian community. Yes. Uh, there's, you know, this is a little judgmental, but there's, there's this slant towards feminizing beliefs, 
once we start talking about the Lord, we need to talk softly. And you just hear all of a sudden this Sunday school voice creep in. And that's not masculinity, man. Uh, that's not what was built into our hearts. And this, this idea of a battle to fight and an adventure to have and a, you know, um, helping uh, free the beauty's heart. Um, it's in every epic movie that I connect with and it's what we're called to in our life. So that was the backdrop. I, I connected with that book, started doing some groups. The Lord was really tugging on my heart and speaking to me. I was learning to let go and, and actually be in fellowship with them. Yes. Not just one way, here's my wish list, and uh, I need you to be my genie in a bottle, right. I need you to be my cash machine, right. and a little Santa Claus mixed in. You know what I mean? And, and here's my plan, here's my agenda, please <laughs> yeah. come and bless it, provide yeah. for it. That's right. You know, send the cash, send this, uh, I need to, hey, uh, I got this thing going, I need you to take care of this down the road for me. Mm. Rather than letting go and going, it's all about you. Mm. You are the potter, I'm the clay. I'm gonna relinquish my will to yours. And this all sounds really wonderful and it's messy and I, I, you take strides and then you have setbacks and, yes and um, the journey never looks like you think it's going to look, but these are the elements, that these are the core beliefs that start to, to shape and mold the steps forward. Hmm. And then there was another book, uh, How Now Shall We Live by Chuck Colson, hmm. that had a big impact on me, which said, look, you, you, can, you can go about your Christian life in two ways. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, so build the walls, and then hide behind them to protect your Christian beliefs and keep it safe. Or you can take those Christian beliefs and head out into the world. Don't surrender the arts. Go out there and have an impact in there. Don't surrender to politics and government. Go, they need to hear a worldview. They, they need to um, actually see it modeled out there. So head out, don't bunker down. And it was those two things, the, those two messages that the Lord used to start shaping my desires. And that's pretty much right where you stepped in mm. and, and um, got, got to be exposed, got the benefit of some of that. And I was learning as much as everyone else was learning. The, the issue was, was yeah, you certainly did. And one of the categories that you began to open my heart and my eyes to was the importance of understanding my story mm. and how it had shaped me. It was not only, yes, you have permission to be who you are and your masculine heart is important and that desire for battle and for adventure and to rescue the beauty, that's core to who you are because that's who God is and you're bearing his image as a man specifically. And, and so that was the number one thing, like empowerment, like the things that I want, my true desires are not to be castrated, if you will. Quite the opposite. God wants me to be this man. But wait, the man that I have become is in great part the story, the, the, the fruit of the, the byproduct of the story that I have lived. So it's important to, as much as we're moving ahead into that battle and that adventure, to actually begin to look on the rearview mirror and understand that story and how it had shaped us. Um, and you guys began to share those stories little by little and you mentored me over the course of months and then uh, over years now. But 
the importance of, of understanding our story and the wounds that we have received. Can you speak to that? Why was that so important then? How do you see that being it's, crucial it's, today? It's almost everything, because hmm. you have to start there. Yes. And, and if we would have just stopped our discussion up to this point, you would have thought, I just need to learn some new principles. Hmm. But a big part of the journey is unlearning some principles, unlearning some foundational beliefs, some core beliefs that I let get embedded in me that are kind of running in the background of my operating system and affecting how I see the world, how I interact with the world, and answering the question, do I have what it takes to be a part of this world? Mm. And um, so understanding a man's journey, oof, because uh, by doing that, you understand the man. Um, what do you mean by core beliefs, though? Because if you ask me what my core beliefs are, I could answer you. I believe in God, the Trinity, mm -hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're one, but they're three. Yeah. And I believe in, right? And I could give you like my creedal statements, but yeah. I don't think that's what you mean by core beliefs. Yeah, so great point. Because what you just described is my, my theological thesis, you know? Yes. And what we're talking about are... You've had a whole life leading up to that moment where we uh, crossed paths, where the Lord brought our lives together. And then you've had a whole life since we've parted ways and then our paths got to cross. And some real powerful stuff has happened. And in the, that first season, right, there were many seasons in that first season or many chapters within that first season. was through your youth, mm -hmm. through your adolescence, yeah. through your early 20s. And um, you mentioned the word wounds. A lot of people get like off balance. What is, what's a wound, you know? Um, every life uh, event is a learning lesson. And, and there are just some things that pierce us, some events that um, pierce our armor <clears throat> and they create a lasting space of damage in us. And, uh, you know, this can happen within the family unit. A lot of times it happens uh, what they call mother wounds and father wounds. And, and particularly the father wounds are uh, especially harmful. And your dad doesn't need to be this evil guy that wears a black hat. He can just be a part of a fallen world and battling his own battles yes. and shortcomings. And so wounds can come in outright proactive, aggressive ways, or they can just be in passive ways. So many dads right now, I mean, if you look at the statistics, and we're not gonna chase this trail, but um, it's like the number one problem is the absence of dad in the home. Even when he's physically there, the absence of dad. Yes. We just, we've lost the art of learning how to be a dad. You know, we don't live on farms anymore, most of us. Yes. So we're not interacting with dad on a daily basis. We're not learning the lessons of life. And, and so much of our culture has kind of stripped away the importance of a dad that um, you know, dads become passive and they're, they're emotionally absent and they're not engaged in the, in, particularly in a son's life where, boy, 
the one thing we long to hear is, son, you have what it takes to make it in this world. Yeah. I'm a man, and I see you as a man. What you're saying is so crucial, Jim. I, because of my own story and how um, my dad was taken out because of his own story and the wounds that he received, That's right. he didn't have the capacity to answer that question for me. And so I grew up thinking, not knowing whether I had what it takes. And you're referring to that as the core question of a man's heart. That's part of what John Eldridge um, describes in Wild at Heart. We all have that question, do I have what it takes? And in my journey, as we're talking about story, I didn't know if I had what it takes because I never had the opportunity to have an engaged father leading me through a path and telling me that I have what it takes and putting me in situations where I had to be tested and then have sometimes failure, but sometimes victory. And for him to say, do you see that son? You have what it takes. That was amazing. Right. And I didn't have any of that. And now when I met you at around 20, I think I must have been 26 years old. You were the first one to tell me that. Hmm. You, you looked at me and you said to me, words that made me believe that there was more, more to me than I, than, I thought, than I knew or than I thought. And that just, I remember the feeling of my, my heart just swelling. Like, really? I became that eight-year-old, like, really? Do I have it? Do you, do you really think that? And I didn't have to uh, prove it through performance or through, or you were not asking me to prove it to you daily. It yeah. was not, that was not on the line. You saw something in my heart and you said, there is more to you than you think. There is more to you than you know. And you have what it takes. And for a man to receive that from God, in my case, through you, was one of the biggest gifts that God has ever given me. It opened the door for me to begin to receive the validation that God had for me from the beginning, but that I couldn't have from my own dad. And I know that he would want to have given me that. He was a good man. Yeah. He couldn't, just he couldn't. I mean, we all have our battles, <clears throat> particularly dads, you know? Mm. And um, we all have that need. It's, it's encoded in us, that question, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And if our dad doesn't answer that, then we head out into the world searching for that answer. And it affects how we engage in the world because we're not bringing our strength to the world. What we're bringing is our question to the world. Mm -hmm. And that, that matters because it, it happens to shape how we interact with the world. If I'm constantly coming to you trying to find affirmation and everything, yeah. I'm gonna come across one way if I come across already having that answer answered for me, then I, I'm in my authenticity and my masculine strength presenting myself to the world, to my wife, to my children, to my coworkers, to my friends. And it, it happens to shape every man. And the ability to actually hear that I have what it takes, and, and by the way, no man can see his own glory. Hmm. No man can see his own glory. We're, we're clueless of it. We're blind to it. But other men can see the glory in you. Yeah. And, um, and that particularly is brought home when you understand someone's journey and what they've been through and the battles they've fought 
and the wounds that they've taken in. And, and we still need to unpack that idea of wounds because it's central to the development and the progression uh, into your masculinity and into a man that can be available to the Lord for his purposes, a, a cleaner vessel for his use. Um, but those wounds come in ways that uh, an event happens yes. and uh, it pierces you, like it, it, uh, it stings your heart. And um, you know, whether it's a, a passive message where my dad's just not around, so I receive the message of, obviously I'm not worthy of his time, like I'm not worthwhile enough. Uh, and then what happens is from the event, that lie that comes in, hmm. I'm not lovable, I'm not worth fighting for, and then the vow, you know? And this vow looks something along the lines of, well, I'll never put myself out there to be hurt because I'm not lovable. I already know that. So I'm not truly going to show myself to the world because that pain I felt, I don't want to feel it again and again and again. So I run away from intimacy or I don't have what it takes. So I can run away from battles or I can spend my whole life fighting battles to show the world that I have what it takes. The problem with that is while that looks good to the world, look at that driven man. I saw a driven man when I saw you. Look at that driven man, kudos. Get a medal on that guy. But that guy is feeling no satisfaction, no contentedness in that, in that success that he's pursuing because it's coming from the wound. So no matter how much I go to try to get that answered in my accomplishments, it never answers it because um, I'm going about it in an unhealthy way. So I just go on to the next battle and the next battle. And so you see these highly successful guys running Fortune 500 companies or incredible entrepreneurs and successful in life and they just feel no passion. They're robbed of joy. It's like they're watching their lives from above it and not participating and receiving all of the abundance that is in that interaction and that victory. So wounds are really important because they come, they bring out what are the true motives of my actions because the world can affirm this false self that you've created, this driven, high-achieving guy, but they don't recognize it's coming out of fear yes. or the desire to be accepted yes. and um, to be affirmed, uh, which is a never-ending chase, and then wondering why I don't feel satisfaction in my life. I talk to so many guys that just, I feel empty. How can you feel empty? You're success. You have all this. You got the boat. You got the car. You got the success. You got accolades. You're a leader in this. You're a leader in that. And they're not feeling any of it. Yeah, on the inside they feel like little boys anyway. Yeah, because the motive is I'm chasing it. Yeah. Now, if we can turn that around, heal that wound, mm. bring the Lord's healing into it, replace that lie with what's true. I am worthy. I'm created in the image of the Almighty God. That's crazy, right? The same one that created this backdrop 
created me, mm. knew me from the beginning of time or before the beginning of time, yes. knows every hair of my head, loves me, is chasing me down mm. to win the freedom of my heart. Mm. That's our God, that's, that's who created me. My worth comes from that. If I can grasp that, then I can go about, now when I go in to these battles, it's with purpose and a sense of nobility and a sense of calling. Now there's great satisfaction around that, that now I can bring in and let into my heart and feel that joy, feel that sense of belonging in this world, right? And to our Creator. Now that just, it, shames, it uh, reshapes the whole paradigm, right? Um, and that's the journey that we're, each of us are going through is that unpacking of the false self, dealing with the wounds, and getting into more authentic, joyful, wholehearted man mm -hmm. that I was called to be. Now, in what I'm hearing you say, though, is, is the word journey. And I think that's so important to highlight um, especially in light of us now having known each other for all these years, I can understand rationally what you're describing. I received this wound and my dad couldn't be around. He wasn't around. He chose not to be around. And as a result, he never validated me and told me that I had what it takes or put me in positions where I could test myself and realize I do have what it takes. And therefore I began to now encounter the world through that question mark. Do I bring that question everywhere that I want? And therefore, any failure that I had or any time that I fell on my journey was more the confirmation. You see, you don't have what it takes, which mm. made me shrink and continue reinforcing that lie, that, that, that core belief that I had, um, that had already taken shape or that was shaping my heart by then. Now, what you're saying is there is healing to the wound and there is the revelation of the truth that I do have what it takes and that God is willing to give me that validation. All of that makes sense to me in my head. And I could say, all right, intellectually, I understand that. Yes, I'm creating his image. I have what it takes. Now what? I'm going to go chase after all uh -huh. these things that I can because I have what it takes. Yeah. And then you use the word journey because it's not an equation. It's not just learning a new principle. It is taking a, a journey. How do we take that from a rational principle that I can understand and come to believe with? Yes, theologically, it makes sense to actually take this journey from the head to the heart, where not only do I understand it, but I have come to know it. And I have come to receive this experience that, yes, I know I have what it takes because God has revealed that to me and he's shown it to me. And therefore I don't have to go and strive to make this company, the next multi-billion dollar company in my attempt to demonstrate to the world and to me that maybe I am a real man or that I had to chase this woman and then that one and then that one and then the one on the screen because she has the answer and she's telling me that I am amazing and I need her to keep answering that question to me. How do we take that journey from the head to the heart where it becomes real, where it goes from a proposition at the heart level, at the head level to a known reality at the heart level? Yeah, great question and asked from a guy who's in the thick of the fight who knows you don't just get the answers and then everything's fine, yeah. right? And first, I want to acknowledge, you know, all, the, all of my illustrations were trying to prove myself in the battles in my career. Yeah. Probably the most common place that we take our question to get our affirmation is the beauty, mm -hmm. is the female. Mm. Um, 
And that's why so many relationships are struggling. Yeah. And I've been there myself. We're taking those questions to the beauty and they don't belong there. Mm. Um, and it's a whole different, it's a whole different undertaking uh, from a romantic standpoint. If you are got your questions answered and you're bringing your masculine strength into that relationship yeah. versus going into that relationship needing to get your question answered from someone who's not capable of answering it for you. Hmm. And uh, that's just an unfair thing to ask of a woman. Yes. And so many of us are doing that right now. So thanks for bringing that up because it's probably the most common career, woman. Yep. Those are my two areas that I most likely go. But back to the idea of process, you and I were talking earlier this morning when, as we woke up and stared out at all this beauty behind us uh, with our bedheads. Well, my bedhead. <laughs> yeah, my hair is pretty yeah, fine you, after you, I wake you've up. You've mastered bedhead. <laughs> um, and we, we were talking about uh, Morgan Snyder's book, Becoming a King. Yeah. And there's, a, there's an area in there where he's talking about the process. Yes. And he, he makes this statement that it's not about trying, it's about training yes. to become. I'm not trying to become, I'm training to become. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, when I say journey, man, uh, there are so many steps versus just awareness. And, and many of us can create that awareness at a, uh, in a, a retreat or a, an encounter with another man, and it just creates an aha moment. And then we head back into real life, and it gets shelved, and it's got cobwebs and dust on it, and because I'm just too darn busy to deal with and call time out to nurture my heart and take that journey on the inside because I've got mortgage payments, you know? I got a, a, a wife that's uh, calling for my attention. I've got job responsibilities. So who has time to do this inner journey? Mm. I mean. Yeah, give me a break. And that right. sounds a little touchy-feely, by yeah, the way. Yeah, a li so little femme, you know? <laughs> like, uh, oh my gosh, I, I mean, like, um, and, yeah. and uh, we need some pastry flowers around and. and Essential oils. And, and it's anything but because it's a brutal journey. Yes. It's, it's a journey of a warrior's heart because a lot of that pain only can be healed in pain, through pain. So all that pain that you may have collected in, as a wound heading back into that territory requires you to muster up the courage to access it in pain. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is certainly not a journey to take by yourself. Uh, you'll get your ass handed to you. Yeah. Um, but it is a process. So there's the awareness and then there's the starting to work through these wounds where uh, uh, like th th those are deep dives to really excavate, to really find where the X is and start digging towards the treasure. And there are layers. Uh, I think I just found freedom and then two years from now that same freedom is elusive because I need to go two or three more layers down. Yes. And um, so it's a, it's a process of equipping yourself and um, it's a lifestyle that you're committing to and other men are committing to that are helping provide strength and context and encouragement. And it's an unpacking 
of what's been packed in you through the years. And it's the idea that I gotta find where those wounds are. I gotta find out, you know, and a good way to do that is my everyday problem, I had to blow up with a wife. She said something, it triggered me, and I acted like a 13-year-old. Why? I don't do that at work, I don't, but what's that about? Well then pull her on the string a little bit. And starting by, they believe that it was not so much about her. Maybe there's something in me that I need to look into instead of saying, why is she this? Why yeah. does she that? Your reaction yeah. was never in scale with Sorry. what that Sorry. was, Sorry. right? Sorry. So, you know, when we access rage, rage is never about that moment. It's about what's happened in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And so we look at clues in our everyday lives. You know, the good place to start is what's, what's not working for you. I don't have the respect at the work, I don't have this, or I'm not feeling joy. Now we start to pull from there and start you start chasing it back to your story and where some of those wounds may have occurred and then starting to bring healing and truth into that area. And that's not like a, oh, lightning bolt came down, everything's fine, God snapped his you know, glorious fingers, and I'm coasting now. Hmm. Now I have the secret to life, and all the abundance of life is gonna come my way, starting on Monday. Hmm. No, <laughs> no. Th then the journey begins in, in fighting. You're, you're fighting along the path, because what's gonna happen is uh, that wound uh, or that trigger will come up again, yeah. and, but this time you're equipped. So you may go into um, a hissy fit, you know, uh, and uh, get your panties in a wad and you're, you're all out of sorts. And then you remember, oh, that has nothing to do with my wife. That has nothing to do with my boss. That's, that's some stuff that's going on on the inside. What do you do at that point? So first the awareness. Yes, this may be more about me than about the person I just had this mess up with. So what do I do now? you bring the truth back in. So the truth that you've learned um, that needs to be replaced with the lie that's the core belief yes. at this point now, because when we talk to core beliefs, those are the things that are ruling. Normally, when an action isn't going our way, yeah. we chase it back to a thought, right? And, and that's even if you're taking the time to do that. Yep. Most, if you're taking the time to do that, you chase it back to a thought, oh, and I have some crappy thinking here. My, my my mindset screwed up, and I, I leave it at that. But seldom do we chase where that thought came from, mm -hmm. which is the core belief. Yes. Um, you know, I don't have what it takes, or I always screw up, or there's always some other shoe is going to drop right around the corner. Like these little things that are hidden truths that run in the background of our thought process that promote these thoughts that then cause us to react in a negative way, if we can chase it down to the, the core belief, bring the truth in there, and this, this could be two, three, four, five, six, ten years of a journey of just keep bringing truth in, and sooner or later what's going to happen is those percentages of, okay, I live 90% in my false self in this one area of my life, and I bring 10% truth in to start slowly those odds start shifting, those percentages start shifting to where that's my default. The truth is my default 
And every once in a while, this thinking sneaks in, this old man, this old self, this false self creeps back in. And that's the goal. So would it be, it would be super helpful for me if I reflect maybe on an actual circumstance, something that happened in the past and you helped me take that circumstance through some of the categories that you explained, because I think it's worth taking that time to mine the gold because there is beauty in what you're describing. Yeah, and all this seems a little hypothetical and yes. philosophical and it's very practical when you actually get into it, but you're right. All this can sound like, you know, some glorious thing that's out there, but yes. it's hard to actually bring home. So let's try it. Right, so um, when we met, we were living in Miami, Florida, where you live, and then over time, God pulled me out to live in the Bay Area. So my wife and I and our son at the time, we had one, Mateo, we moved to the Bay Area and cost of living was prohibitive in the Bay Area. So when we landed there, Juanita and I both said, my wife and I said, we're both going to work full time because we need to make ends meet for a season. And do you agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. We're good. Game on. I got a job, started working, and I didn't see that she was really taking the time to make the applications and do the interviews and get her job. And so I began to ask, honey, how's the application process going? It's going good. Thank you for asking. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And then the bills begin to come in. And I ask again, hon, we, we talked about this. How's it going? I am interviewing. I'm, I'm in my process. Thank you. If I need anything, I'll let you know. There's like this. Okay. Looks like. I don't know if I can ask again, but there is something <laughs> going on here. Okay. And I kept putting the pressure on. And um, not too um, far after, I realized I was being short with her, that we were getting into arguments, that we were, um, I was not patient. Things were escalating. Mm -hmm. And a lot not being said. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Correct. But there is, there is this like under, underlying current. There's something going on. My, my, I would not have described my marriage at the time in the words of Jesus when he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Right? right. It's not like it's horrible, we're heading to divorce, but it was tense and it was not good. I could see just my resentment over her in the way that I was reacting to her, in the way that little things bothered me. Right. And by the way, there was something going on her side Right. Right. Okay. And so in my, what, what you're describing, when you think about the journey is take one of those moments when things didn't go well, when the conversation didn't go well. And instead of saying, oh, she's blah, 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 and the, all the blaming on her. And if she only got her act together, my life would be easier. Right. To pause and to say, where is this rooted in? Mm. To use that, that episode as a trailhead into a you know, an adventure to a, I'm, I'm trying to uncover a treasure. God is inviting me through, he's knocking through the pain, through the difficulty, through the marriage issues. He's knocking through that so that I can give him access to something he wants to show me about my heart in my journey, in my multi-year, multi-decade journey. And so, sure, Lord, uh, what's up? And you use the word core beliefs. In other words, what, I, what I'm hearing you say with that is, what have, what have I come to believe honestly, at the level of the heart, about filling the blank. Right. And so in my case, I, I said, all right, God, 
what have I come to believe, to believe about my wife? And I could hear his voice almost loudly, that she's a burden. Dang. And in my heart, what I experienced at that moment was the combination of number one, the shame that I'm unconsciously cataloging my wife as a burden because she is a blessing and she is yes. the gift from God and she is my greatest treasure. Yes, she is. But at the same time, there was a part of my heart that was actually saying, yeah, that's not just a core belief, that is a fact. Right. She's not pulling her weight. We said that we were going to do something. She hasn't done her part. We cannot even talk about it. What's up with this? I'm carrying her load. Right? And so yeah. that what I, that's what I had come to believe about her. Now, if I follow your train, your logic, then is, all right, but remember, Pablo, this is not so much about her. You're looking at the speck in her eye instead of looking at the plank in your own. What is this about? So that's Did an you? opportunity, right? Right. It's an opportunity. Which doesn't look or feel like an opportunity. No, it doesn't. I, am just, I just want to bitch about it. No, and uh, quite frankly, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's is a pain what in the ass. Yeah. It's a pain mm-hmm. in the ass. And so, God, what is this about? Okay, if this is not about her and her not pulling her weight and her being a burden, I, 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 I can believe, I can come to believe rationally and I can believe that this is a core belief that has come to take root in my heart. Mm-hmm. But it may not be the truth. So what is the truth? That she is my daughter and that you're here to fight for her heart, for her protection, for her provision. Yes, there is a marriage covenant. and This yes, is what you're hearing from the Lord, yes. right? When you weigh it before Him. Correct. Right? And now when I'm, you I'm, humble yourself to it, correct. right? And you let go of all your beliefs and all of your justifications to having those beliefs. Yes. And by and the way, empty, I, right? I'm not doing that in front of her because yeah, no, I won't, no. don't want to give her the, the, oh. the, she's not right. I am right. right. But all right, God, I'll give you the chance. What is this about? So this is what you're telling me about who she is. And almost writing it down because it doesn't feel like that today. Right. So what is this about? And then his answer was that you're afraid that you won't have enough. Mm. Crap. And so the begin, the right going to the next layer in the depth, in the treasure hunt to realize my reactions to her are not because she's not going to enough interviews. My reactions to her are because I am afraid that I won't have enough to pay the mortgage. So Jesus, exactly. This is about your lack of faith. This is about your fear because of the wounds that you have received in the past. And if you remember when we met two years before, I was living in a tent for a month. And so I don't want to live in a tent anymore. I want to go camping. I want to go into the adventure and and go uh, and live in in, and camp for a week. But I don't want to have to live in a tent. I don't want to go hungry again. I don't want to go to bed without dinner. So there's the understanding your story, Hmm. right? And how its impact can be playing out in the current day. Yes. Right. And so the current day um, presented a issue, a problem, which if you wanted to, you could hold on to a, a pretty good rationalization sure. of why I'm right. Yeah. We had an agreement. She's not following through on the agreement. And then you could stay in that spot. Yes. Right. Or you could do the journey. You, you could do the path to what you did, the excavation, the taking it and weighing it before the Lord and going, what's going on in my heart? Why am I reacting this yeah. way? Uh, is there anything for me to understand here? Because when you actually do that and 
first of all, it takes incredible courage to do that. I, I don't want to sit there and go, oh, naturally, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, inner fortitude uh, and, and a real dependency and reliance on the Lord and a real trust that he's in the walk with you that you can actually take it before them, right? You get that answer, hey, this is about fear. This is about, you're wondering if I have what it takes to provide for my family under these circumstances, which goes back to your childhood stuff, which goes back into your adolescence stuff, which goes back into your early 20s stuff. And so it's this theme that's kind of interwoven. And that's why when we kind of say, well, it's an opportunity, because if you don't want to keep running into this down the road time and time again, it's an opportunity to do the digging that's necessary to get to the truth, the underlying core belief that's putting you back into these spots. And by doing this work, you have the potential to get freed up from it so that that's one less brick in your backpack that you got to carry while you're hiking through life, yes. right? And so you doing that, and then you brought up this, um, hey, we move out to California, uh, and you brought up this John 10.10 verse. Uh, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Dang, I want that. Yeah. Where, Tell me the five steps I need to do to get that, because I want life to the full. But there's a part of that verse that comes right before it. You mind sharing that? The thief comes only to kill and steal and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So there's the contrast yes. and there's the acknowledgement that there's a battle going on. Yes. That we're a world at war. Yes. And boy, do we dismiss that idea. Hmm. We might acknowledge it every once in a while in a Bible study or there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's good, there's bad. I see evil in the world. Hmm. We, might, we might go as far as acknowledging that. But to recognize it in our everyday life, that there is an entity out there who is warring against us, who is looking for our, our weak spots and those themes, those reoccurring themes and leveraging against us. It's like uh, when you become a Christian, it's like r running for the presidency. All of your old files get sifted through to see what it can be used against you. The real you. and the made up ones. Right, all of it, man. You know, I mean, we're at 2020, so yeah. in context, uh, all that's going on. and. Um, but it goes on for us. Yes. And so it's really easy to go, let's yeah. not over-spiritualize this. Yes. You're getting a little little too far out there. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're gonna be holding snakes up and doing all types of crazy sure. crap. You might even get me to raise my hands and do that. <laughs> and, and so we wanna dismiss that because it's a little uncomfortable to head into that territory, but it's a reality. So everything that we've talked about, you know, may have been the kind of the psychological, the realm of uh, our own mechanical makeup, yep. but there's a spiritual element that is coexisting and working and interwoven with all that, yep. that you think the enemy wants you to have a good marriage? Hmm. No, 
that's the smallest battle formation. Mm -hmm. You can get that to break down, mm. generations fall. Mm. Wow. So, can the, you repeat that? The marriage is the smallest battle formation. And if he can assault that and take it down, he can take down generations yeah. after it. Boy, uh, when you talk about return on effort, yeah. the enemy's thinking, I get that to fall, I get a couple generations that follow. And um, so why not apply the effort in that area? And so many, and, and boy, I wanna make sure I'm preaching to myself here, cause I don't want to give the impression that I got everything figured out cause my life uh, can be just as messy as everybody else's, but it's a reality, it's a truth. And so if we wanna kind of talk about what's true and what can have an impact on us walking a cleaner life, a more free, abundant life, then we've got to call attention to that there's a battle going on. Yes. And we've mentioned this before, that until you can see life in the context of a war going on, you are going to misread an awful lot. You know, and, and I'm stealing that from John Eldridge who stole that from someone else who stole that from someone else. Yes, right? it's a kingdom principle, it's, it's a reality. A principle. And so, unless we see it as a war going on, we're gonna misread a lot and even more destructively, we're gonna misread who the Lord is and um, his love for me. Hmm. And these promises are gonna seem like crap. Yeah. Where's this abundant life? Yeah. Well, those were my questions in that moment, in that in the misunderstanding with Juanita, and though, like, wait a second, and we're doing the right thing. We're going to church. She's going to her women's group. I'm going to the men's group. Yeah. We're checking yeah. all the boxes yeah. Yeah. and still, I'm living in this life where it feels like from a place of scarcity and she's not pulling her weight and we have this marriage conflict. Where are you, God? Right. And, and my conclusions unconsciously, now I have the words I didn't have them at the time because it just feels like a blur in, in the moment. But it's either God is not answering my prayers or there's something, is he powerful? And if he's powerful, isn't he willing to do it? Right. Or is he willing, but he's not powerful enough then to come through for me? There is something he's holding out on me for some reason. And that's where most of us end up. Those two, yes. he's either not powerful enough to impact things or he's powerful enough and he doesn't give a crap. Right. Well, neither of those sound very good. But then the alternative is, then it's, then it's me. I'm blowing it. I'm the stupid idiot. Right. He's clearly blessing everyone else, powerful and willing. And he's powerful and willing to bless me right. too, but I am doing something on my end right. to prevent all of that from happening. It's up to me. Right. What is it that I'm doing wrong? Am I the schmuck? Clearly, I don't have what it takes. And there you go, right? Once. And... Boy, just think about that for a minute. Those three choices, none of them any good, Yeah. right? All of them highly destructible. And we may not, we may chase that to a certain point. I don't know the answer. They all suck anyway. And so I'm gonna leave it. And then you just leave that residue, that crap, floating around on the inside. And then I go to church, put on my Sunday school smile and get God is good, yeah. right? right? <laughs> and. And then all of a sudden, the enemy's won, man. Yeah. He's taken you out. Yeah. You may be a Christian and you may end up in heaven. You got the free get out of hell card, but you're taken out. You're taken out and you're not in the battle and you're not experiencing the life to the full. Life to the full can have some major battles along yes, the way. Totally. And that, that freedom and that life to the full isn't the yacht 
something. I, I'd love to be flying right now. I don't have a plane. I'd love to, it's one of the things I'd love to do. That's, you know, in my flesh, life to the full means me flying around in a plane, right? <laughs> I don't have that. So, oh, God must not be good. No, there's a different direction for me and I need to stay in tune daily to understand what that direction looks like. But if we miss this, what you're talking about, and we don't chase those things down, those, um, those lies, yeah. God's all-powerful, doesn't care about me, God's not all-powerful, or I'm just screwing things up totally royally, and let me just fester in that and take me down into the spiral, let me play that loop in my head, and on the inside, I'm miserable. Right, I'm being robbed of all the joy that was intended for me, Irregardless of the external circumstances, I could be walking around with incredible contentedness and joy because I'm walking with the Lord. Yes. And I do see the battle, and I do see the enemy's ploys, and I don't, I don't take him, and I don't take the bait. And you chasing that, that one circumstance you just chased offers up potential freedom in this fight. And in the following ones and the eight that would have followed. Yeah, totally. And so let me just close the loop by sharing what happened after that, which by the way, it was not that I had absolute clarity on the story and my role in it. Now I see it, and this was a few years ago. And so looking back, it's easy to see the journey. At the time, it was totally messy, no. but it, it came down to choice. I didn't feel like she was the princess that God had given me, who is clearly partnering with me on this adventure called life. Right. I'm dragging her along the way. I'm carrying her. Yeah. But again, none of those were truths. That's right. They felt like truth. But that's what you had whipped up in your head. Right. That was the message of the enemy, right. given the wounds that I had received in the past. And so that's I had a choice. And the choice was, do I just continue putting the pressure on her because that's what it feels like and she's right and I'm going to prove her that she's wrong and I'm right. Or am I going to operate according to what I know is most true, even though I don't feel like it? Okay, and this is where the healing lies, because you were making a conscious decision to bring truth in. Yes. Once the revelation came, yes. because you waited before the Lord, right? With all sincerity, you waited before the Lord. Yeah. The Lord answered you with a few insights. Now what am I going to do with those? Right. I can push them aside and go, yes, but you don't understand. We had an agreement, right? right? Yeah. Or you could... I cannot really count on her. I'm on my own. That's right. Right? And boy, uh, that's the norm. Yeah. That's the norm. Or you could take the courageous path and go, okay, I need to tenderize my heart here and, and back off a little bit on some of this crap that I'm running with and open up to the possibility that this is some stuff that's going on in me. Yeah. And while I can't control the other side right now, I am going to control what's going on within me. And so I'm going to seek healing. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to take it to my brothers rather than taking it to her. Exactly. Right? Um, at that moment, when you were just getting situated out there, did you have uh, brothers around you yet? Yeah. By then I had, and I was able to share some of this. And, um, and then, again, I had to make a make a call. What am I going to do with this? And, and again, in retrospect, I see the categories and the battle, I see the adventure and I see the rescue and the beauty. I didn't want any of those, but I knew that I had a right. God, yeah, what else do you have for me? Because right. those three aren't working right now. But God was clear. 
now, do you want to take the road and take a chance with me or you want to do it your way? And from and the biggest enemy was fear. So that I recognize. Okay, yeah. if there is a battle to fight in my life right now is that I'm I just have to be honest. I am afraid that I won't have enough to sustain my family and that's a place from where I am putting pressure on my wife. That's that's that I knew was true and God revealed that to me. Number two, I know that the truest thing about her is that she's not a burden. Right. She's my Ezra Kenegno. She is my yes. She yeah. she is the greatest treasure that I knows her knows how incredible she is. And so all of that was BS, and I couldn't understand it rationally, even though my heart my heart felt in a different way. And so my choice, and I wish that that was the choice that I make more often. But in this case, what I chose to do was to come back. Number one, to reject that lie. And it didn't feel like it. And no, I reject that. She is not a burden. She is my princess. And I'm going to talk to her. And we sat down. So I invited her on a day night. And we went on a day night. And a glass of wine. And I asked her, "Hon, this is not about pressure. Forget about getting a job. But I really know what's in your heart. What's going on? Wow. And she broke down in tears. That was a risky ask, by the way. Yeah, I could have blown in my face in a thousand different ways. <laughs> that's, that's a very courageous ask. So kudos. Yeah. And in, in tears, she said, our son is only three years old. And I know that this time is going to fly before our eyes. And I won't have the time to enjoy my son and for him to live with a mom who is fully available to him instead of working some other in some other place and him being raised by someone else. I want to have this time with him. And before my eyes, all these flashbacks of every conversation we had where she made the commitment to take a job, I was running over her. She didn't have an alternative. It was what I said because it's my way or the highway because I know what's best for our family. All of that rooted in fear. And by the way, as men, we're really good at that. We can steamroll. Right, and to the point where we get the answer we want, but it really wasn't a collaboration of an answer. It was, yes. you've pinned me in a corner and so I'm gonna give you the answer you want. Later, years later, once she told me with a lot of courage and love, she said, living with you is sometimes like living with a sergeant who is set on his ways and who is more concerned with his mission than with loving the people that he lives with. Wow. She trusted you with that? She dropped that bomb and she trusted me with that. And I couldn't speak at the moment when she said that. I wanted to justify every one of my actions and tell her how wrong she was. Of course. But deeper, I know she was right. And that brought that has brought tremendous healing over the years. Um, back on that moment, I repented and I asked her for forgiveness for having put so much pressure on her. And I told her, I know that a lot of this pressure has been the result of my own fear because I don't want us to be in this position of scarcity that we have before. Why don't we pray? And we prayed and Jesus was very clear. Of course, I want her to stay at home in this season. <laughs> ah, I, I love you, but I don't feel like loving you now, Lord. You're breaking up, Lord. I, I didn't hear that at all. But... And without me knowing, just that one act of courage, just saying, okay, against everything that I feel right now, I'm going to operate according to what God is telling me, resulted in me recognizing the battle to fight. My battle is not against my wife. My battle was against the one who wanted to destroy my marriage and was doing so through po poking at my weak spots and my wounds from my story.
and the fear that came through them. And so my battle was more clear in, in, the, in that season for that particular circumstance, I realized, okay, my battle is not against my wife. My battle is against this spirit of fear, if you will, this presence of fear of scarcity that lives with me. It's against the evil one. It's against this Satan who is very real and very active. I need to fight against this. And then the adventure was, hunt. this is going to be risky. And we don't know if we're going to be able to afford this or this or that. But we're going to trust the Lord. We're going to go for it. And the beauty as a team. As a team. And she was invited into that adventure. Then the beauty was rescued that evening. I failed at rescuing her again the following day for sure. And then the day after. But for that one occasion, I understood, oh, that's what these three categories mean. There is a battle to fight. And the battle is not against my wife. It's not against God. It's against a real enemy. There is an adventure to live. And it's an adventure of risking, moving in risk toward what God is inviting me into and inviting my wife to be my partner in that adventure. And there's a beauty to rescue. And I play a role in the rescue of her heart. That's a stunning and beautiful illustration of the full package, right? In everyday life, when we talk about every man can, you know, someone needs rescuing from a fire. Yeah, I'm, I'm running into that fire, right? Uh, and I hope there's some photographers around to capture it. Yes. <laughs> capture me. Capture me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, no, no, no interviews now. Right. Uh, but in the home, when there's no one there, and it's the everyday life, and it's grating against the wounds and your core beliefs, and, and you know some of the journey that's shaped you in a certain way that you know is, is still being surrendered, it's incredible. Now, there's two striking points in in that story that that catch my attention: the beginning of it and the end of it. The beginning of it came from a fear, right? That I, I wouldn't have what it takes to support my family, mm -hmm. right? That fear. Yes. In hindsight, if we could get to the point of going, I have that fear, but I also walk with a sovereign, mm. almighty, mm. powerful, loving God, who is invested in my everyday life and has a plan set out for me. And no matter how much that rails against that idea, it's true. And no matter how scary parts of the path get and uncertain they get, it's true. And so if I can take that fear to the Lord and go, I'm turning this over to you. Mm. I'm turning this one over to you. I'm letting go. In my own life, I got all this stuff uh, that I can spew, and what's having the most impact in my life right now is some Christian bumper sticker that says, let go, let God. <laughs> what? No, I want to pontificate on all this amazing, no, let go, let God. Letting go, man, that it's, it's hard to do. Uh, you know, and there's this balance and there's this dance and there's this incredible, I, hear, I see faith 
but I see trust as being the action word, mm. right? And there's this trust that the Lord's got me. Mm. When it really counts, He's got me. Mm. Not when it kind of counts, but when I don't have anything else to hold on to, He's got me. Mm. And that's where some guys benefit from hitting rock bottom is you really don't know that the Lord is all you need and until you get to the point where he's all you got. Wow. Then you, you know. Say that again, Jim. You really don't know that the Lord is all you need until he's all you got. That's a scary spot. And sometimes he's going to orchestrate your life to get you to that spot because once again there's incredible freedom attached to this you grasp that life takes on a whole different look can I really really trust him so the, the start of your story there was that invitation and you were struggling there. By the end of the story, you were in alignment with your wife and the decision to trust him. Mm. Mm. Wow. Right? Yep. And, and that was the progression. That was the path, that was the journey. That was the everyday life journey that we're talking about. That you worked through a very real, real battle. And those battles tend to happen most with those that we're most intimate with. And who more intimate than your wife? Yeah. Right. But that could have easily have been other elements in life. Yes. And then there's this fork in the road. Am I going to trust? Am I not? Hmm. Um, and you worked through it masterfully. May not have felt it. Th I mean, this is where as a man that was outside that, looking in, something very glorious about how that all happened. Um, and then to end up to that spot, I got to hear my, my beauty's heart expressed to me. I got to see how some of my behaviors impacted that heart. And I got to come to a conclusion together as the smallest battle unit that we're going to trust this sovereign God. And we're going to make a decision that we think honors him by allowing her to be home, raising our son, yes. right? Giving him that nurturing and that affirmation and that love that is unique to a mom. Yep. And this idea of provision, hmm. I'm not alone, man. It's not all up to me. I'm going to choose to trust that the Lord is ultimately where my resources come from. No matter how much of a genius I think I am and how I'm navigating and working my way through my career, ultimately you're just planting seeds and the Lord's the one that's raining on them and growing it. 
So I love that story. I, I love one that you are vulnerable enough to share that story. Well, there's a story <laughs> with a happy ending, not the 1,000 other ones where I blew it again. Yeah, but that, see, and so when you ask about path and journey and why we use that terminology, because it's not this aha moment, lightning bolt, everything changes, and then I just get blessed with incredible abundance yeah. and I get all the toys and I'm always happy and I don't run into any conflict whatsoever yeah. and we may not say it in those words but I think we hope it yeah. and we might even let that permeate into our belief system because it's kind of a worldly thing yeah. and boy the, the world thing yeah America, it's a western right? thing sure. Uh, you know, pull your bootstraps up and head out there and make it happen and make your money and then you will be happy. Okay? Now I got to see how that jives with what I know is even more true, which is uh, I'm walking an adventure with a living God who's fighting for my heart and my family's heart and all that is in my domain and my household and my life. So how much am I going to rely on that? Hmm. And that's a daily choice. Like we read, I feel like we're doing a promotion for Morgan in the Becoming a King. I, I think we should inquire about royalties, but there's this part where um, he says that, you know, in every moment you're either living out of your false self or your true self. As a Christian man who believes in the Lord, as a Christian, who is sealed in the kingdom and in heaven, I still have a choice every single day and every single moment to either be living in my false self or my true self. My false self relying on my own self-reliance, my self independence, self-protecting, all those things that I learned to get through the crappy years when I didn't have the tools to actually handle them in a healthy way, or my true self with my new identity in the Lord, yes. with who I'm called to be as that man, who I'm sealed to be in that man, yeah. and in the process of becoming that man. Yes. We get that choice every moment. We can be sitting in front of the camera having this talk, and I could be really relying on the Lord to share what's ever on my heart, or making sure you know, that poser is looking good and espousing wisdom that, look at me, Look what I know. Mm. It's all crap. Mm. It's all crap. Um, and that choice is ours. And, and what I'm hearing you saying that is, and again, borrowing from Morgan in Becoming a King, how clearly he exposes this, it is that false self is the part of us that is trying to avoid shame, trying to avoid fear, trying to make life work in our own terms, trying to ask, answer the questions of identity, and validation. Who am I and do I have what it takes? And I'm hoping that this circumstance may have the answers to that question so that I can finally settle that question in my heart. Or, having had those questions answered, I am his beloved son, he's my dad, and I'm saving him and he loves me, and I do have what it takes. Therefore, having the freedom to operate out of, out of the true self from that place, from that confidence in knowing who I am and that I have what it takes, and therefore bringing to the circumstance my love, my strength in love, on behalf of the people that God is placing around me, instead of my question to try to make life work outside of God. 
Yes. And we have what I'm hearing you reinforce is we have that choice every moment. Which brings up the all important topic of identity. Hmm. Right? How do we see ourselves? How do we see our God? How does God, how do we think God sees us? How do we see ourselves? How do we think the world sees ourselves? That identity drives us so much, right? And it affects how we go about living our lives. So understanding your identity, who you are, and the false self and the true self, where those wounds lie, but what am I really? What am I really? How does the Lord see me? And how do I see, do I have a clear view of the Lord? Or is it some view that is filtered through my earthly father and some of his wounds and it's running through that filter and as I look up at God, it's a tainted view. Is that what I got going? Because then I'm not seeing the Lord accurately, right? And there's a, there's a saying that I connected to a while back that says until you can look at life's darkest ugliest moments without slandering the character of God, you don't, you do not yet know him. Wow. And I'm like, say that again. Until you can look at life's darkest, ugliest, most tragic moments without slandering the character of God, you do not yet know him. Wow. And that always struck me. Yes. I mean, because where do I go with that? When I talk identity, um, it's equally important to have that identity mesh with who he is is because that has an impact on who I am. Which I think is the core question and and we see this even back to Genesis, the fall is the byproduct of the enemy placing doubt in Eve's heart about who God is. You see he's holding out on you. That's right. And if he is not this all-powerful and all-good being that is fully trusted, worthy of my trust, then I have to take matters into my own hands. And the outcome is the world we live in today. And majority of us are taking matters in our own hands. Yes. Christian or Christian, not like, I mean, we're all, so that's permeating through the Christian community as much as it is through the world at large, taking matters in our own hands, which then defeats the whole idea of trust and faith. Like that's, those are the mechanisms that I'm faced with each day. But that identity allows me to have a clear understanding of my role in this world and who I am and allows me to step into that and take ownership of that. And then when I have that understanding of who I am and who the Lord is, I can grow deeper. You know, it's that knowledge leading into the love affair. It's the knowledge of the Father and His love for me, which then allows me to develop my love for the Father. And now we got intimacy going. Mm. And when we got mm. intimacy going, it's beautiful. And then the more there's intimacy, there, there's more clear understanding of identity. And the more clear understanding of identity, the more it feeds into this love affair and intimacy. And that's beautiful. That's, that's you know, a mechanism that we can look at and go, okay, there's a path. I get that. And that's, that's a process, you know, it's a process. But when we say, I don't feel intimate, I feel dry with the Lord, I would say, rather than just trying harder, right, are you training yourself to really 
continue to understand and equip yourself in your identity. Am I trying or am I training? Am I training myself to understand who I am? Really who I am in the Lord, in His kingdom. He's my maker, you know what I mean? And what's my role here? And all of that, you know, the, the hint to understand, you go, well, I don't understand my identity. I mean, that seems, once again, you're in this lofty space that sounds really good, um, but I have no idea what you're talking about. A good way to go about it, I've heard, you know, the, anything that I share, it's because I stole it from other people, but is to, to look at what are your favorite movies? What are your favorite movie characters that you connect with? Mm. Who are you really digging, you know, in that movie? That's my guy. Or as you read scriptures, who are you connecting with in scriptures? A lot of people in there. You know, it's a historical account and none of them are perfect except one, right? Mm -hmm. Who are you connecting to? Um, who are the poets? Who are the authors through time? Who are the historical figures? Who do you connect with? Because that's a hint on who you are. That's a hint at what's really lighten up your heart. And that's a great place to start, to start unpacking and owning and leaning into that identity because that's what lights you up. You know, when, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do in the world, don't, don't look at, you know, what the world needs, look at what makes you come alive because what the world needs are people who are fully alive, right? I stole that. I don't know who I stole that from. I stole it from Eldridge, who stole it from someone else. I know it's someone else. And, uh, but I love that because then that gives me permission to go pursue my heart and the things that I love, right? I, I'm not destined. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. In most cases, I'm not destined for that cubicle. That's robbing the hell out of my heart. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's not, I mean, I'm, I'm made for more. Uh, you know, it's the matrix. Yes. Uh, you know, is it John Smith or what's his? Agent, Agent Smith and uh, Mr. Anderson. Yeah, Mr. Anderson, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, am I Mr. Anderson in the cubicle or am I Neo? Yeah. Right? With this exciting battle and adventure that's within him. He just needs permission to go after it, right? Um, and so that's, I, I see that as an illustration of that's our journey. That's the importance of identity because then that gives us permission to go after it. Yes. And then so identity, intimacy, and once you have that connection with the Lord, you can start leading into passion, right? Now all of these can coexist at different levels, but the more intimacy you have, the more alive you start becoming, the mm. more untethered you are to the world's crap. Mm. And now you can start chasing your passion, which is your calling which are the things that make you fully alive. Gosh, I just love, I love this. This lights me up. We woke up this morning, you know, groggy eyed, I stumble out here and all of a sudden all's right. Yeah, I mean, so how, how amazing is that? Yeah, it, I connected with it. So am I doing the things in my daily life to connect with my passion? Hmm. Like, what are the things that makes my heart feel good? And do I discount those to the 12th on my to-do list? Or do I give priority to them? Because if I connect with those things, everything else on my to-do list is impacted and empowered. I can step into a business meeting half-hearted and have one outcome. 
I come into that business meeting fully alive and connecting, I can have a whole different outcome. Yes. Same 45 minute meeting, yes. but I came into it in two different spots. Yes. Connected with my passion, understanding my identity, connected with the Lord. Now let's go chasing life, man. Wow. It takes her in a whole different context. Wow, I, sign me up. <laughs> what <a laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All yeah. for the price of $29.99 yeah. per yeah. month, sign here. And we'll throw in some knives yeah. too. Yeah. I, I love that, Jim. And I, I want to go back and reflect on the progression that you're describing. It starts with identity, is what I'm hearing you say. I think it does. And identity, I heard you say, meaning who is God yeah. and who am I? And having a clear understanding of the truth about that, not only what I have come to believe, given my experiences. So not adapting my theology to what I have experienced, but actually inter interpreting my experiences through what's most true. Beautifully said. Now, when I began to be, um, to encounter that, I, that, that category of identity in our early days, I had this conflict internally. One was, what if I'm just made for that, to be that cubicle guy? What if, right, the, the, the contrast, the fighting, the internal battle between I long for these things and I wish that, like, again, sign me up. But what if I go and ask God and ask my brothers and, and like, begin to explore who am I really, only to come to the conclusion that, yeah, well, you're just a nice guy. Yeah, and I don't want to belittle the cubicle life. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that if it's prefabricated, in a box, restrictive, yeah. There's a good chance that's not what you're called to. Mm. But you may be called to, you know, everyone has different gifts, yeah. right? I love personality tests because they show where our natural inclinations to excel are. Mm -hmm. I can muster up energy and push up in some category, yes. but it drains me to do so. Yes. But I might feel fully alive in the safe confines of a cubicle where I can just crank out productivity. Mm. And um, when I'm in an Excel spreadsheet, I'm fully alive. I, yeah, I love what, it, I'm me. crunching numbers, they, they <laughs> click, and the world is right when I'm there. So I don't want to rob somebody of that life if it brings them joy. But if they're settling, yes. then, then I'm going to encourage you yeah, to, 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 to explore, to yes. seek out what does make me come fully yeah. alive and then to start giving a little more weight to that. Now, when you said it starts with identity, some could argue it starts with intimacy. There's an interplay between those two. Yes. I think the intimacy carries more weight and it is based in a lot more when you understand identity, mm. uh, when you understand your role, mm -hmm. because then, um, then the intimacy is based on truth and not what I kind of think truth is. A lot of people have an idea about God. A lot of people have an idea. May not match what's in scriptures. May not match the true God. And you can be really sincere in your belief and be sincerely wrong. So the first thing to do is really get to, you know, there's this passage that talks about, um, may your love for the Lord abide more and more in knowledge, right? And so having that identity based in truth and, and you need some intimacy with the Lord to yes. bring that revelation. You can't bring it and, and chase it in dryness on your own. Yeah. You need the Lord to cooperate. So there is interplay between those two, but the yeah. intimacy will come alive more 
um, as the identity comes more and more into focus. Yeah, I, I see the interplay. I, can, I could approach God and trying to create that place of intimacy, but if I'm doing it from the wrong position of identity, as a slave, as a servant of the Lord purely, mm -hmm. instead of I'm his son, Right? I can imagine just the, 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 the intimacy that is available between a father and a son yeah. being completely different than the intimacy that can be created between the master yeah. and his worker. Right. Right? right? And so I see the inter interplay. The revelation of who I am, which will be draw me closer to God to have more intimacy. But as I experience that intimacy with God, I'm in a place of revelation where I understand more who he is and who I am. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Mm. That's all you are? Really? And if that's how you see God seeing you, you're just a screw up saved by grace. Yeah. That's your role, mm. okay? Right. Thank, thankfully the Lord's there to help you be a little less of a screw up or at least to forgive your screwed upness. You wanna sign up for that? Mm. Yeah, not really. No, so we, we can bring all types of brokenness into that identity and then the intimacy is gonna be terribly lacking because who wants to have a love affair with a God who just sees me as a screw up? Mm. I'm so much more. I'm a warrior, I'm a fighter, I'm called into battle. Uh, I'm made in his image. That's some crazy stuff. I don't fully understand it. I know it's kind of crazy and I wanna hold on to some of that. Um, you know, he's an amazing artist. I like tapping into some of my creativity there's a connection there, right? So yes, there's that. But what I love is that through the intimacy, we get to the passion. Yeah. Because that's when you're fully alive and living the life that you're called to, or at least fighting for it yes. and, and embarking on it. And you see it in the horizon and you, mm. you're, you're cutting your way through the path to get to that. But it doesn't feel like work. Right, because wow. I was designed for this. Yes. And if I'm designed for this, then man, every day kind of takes on this new way I'm going about things. I'm, I'm not waking up like, oh, it's another day. The alarm's going off and I just got crap to do and I hope I can make it through till I can hit my head on the pillow. Man, there's a lot of us and I have days like that. That's not much of a life. Mm. That's not life to the full. Mm. So I love the idea of getting to passion because mm. when you get people coming alive, it's contagious, dude. Yes. When you're around somebody and you see somebody that's like that free, that's just freed up and alive and chasing their passions and hey, the storms are there in their life. They haven't gone away. They've just developed the, the character and the identity and the intimacy with the Lord to not let those storms knock you off path. The measure of a man's character is the size of the wave that it takes to knock him off path. Say that again. The measure of a man's character is the size of a wave that it takes to knock him off course. Mm. Okay, so wow. these guys that you know are down into their passion, they have the same storms you and I do right but they're driven they're they're connected to the lord they understand their role and they're pursuing their heart and that's driving them yes i want that dude yes i want that i i, I got i'm on the back nine okay of my life I'm, I'm i recognize um you know i'm in the winter seasons and 
I don't want to waste it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want it to be for the Lord. Where, where are you taking me? Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in, and I don't have to have all the answers. I used to want, I used to have to have them. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't take me through today and let's make it a good one, man. Let, uh, just grab my heart. Let's do what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Help me heal. Help me to help others heal. Yes. And let's get free and let's start, you know, fighting this battle that's out there that we talked about earlier. Recognizing the warfare, recognizing our own wounds, and let's start setting men free. Mm. And let's see what happens. Yes. Because I think something cool's out there. And and we've talked about timing of the world right now. Yes. 2020 is an interesting ass year. Yeah. You're all, that's an understatement. Interesting. <laughs> it's, just, it's bizarre. We got a fire like brewing out behind us that last night. We just saw the flames right over another ridge. I mean, it's just one more thing on top of a global pandemic that's creating an economic crisis that's creating unrest and we got political turmoil and we got racial tensions. We've got stuff just brewing everywhere that just seems really weird right now. Yeah. How much more do we need to be yes. called into duty, yes. right? And to get out of our little cubicle life and recognize there's an amazing adventure and battle that we're needed into, that no one else can fill our shoes in our sphere that the Lord's given us. So are we going to step up? If not us, then who? Then not us, then who? And uh, if we can grasp that and recognize Now is a good time to step up. If we're not stepping up and we're not committed to that journey of some of the things that we talked about and seeing them as extremely pragmatic and practical. They're not yes. they're not these philosophical lofty things that are off in a distance that I can't bring into my around my kitchen table or into my boardroom. It's what I love is the journey inside. That's that's what wins the exterior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we keep looking out to the world and the external for our affirmations and to set our compass and to, as our, our yardstick to measure how we're doing, we're going to F that up. Yeah. And um, so it takes, um, it takes some time and it takes solitude, which we all suck at. No one likes getting quiet. No one likes, like I haven't met a guy. I mean, well, I have met some guys afterwards that go, oh, I need more of that. Yes. But heading into it, yes. they're bitching and moaning like, wait, we got to spend two hours in solitude? I, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do, what are yeah. you talking Where's about? Where's my phone? Yeah. yeah. Like, give me an assignment. Yes. I'll right. do the assignment. Sure. Tell me to go get quiet, mm. see what comes up. You know, that's, mm. a tra- that's training. That's a trained thing. But if you are not, Morgan calls it margin, right? Mm. If you are not creating margins enough in your life to have that time to get quiet before the Lord, to get quiet within your own heart, you're going to struggle on the most important battle and journey, which is the one on the inside. Mm. That's where the progress is made. Mm. And you need to be doing it with other men so you can learn what they're reve- you know, what's revealed to them, 
when you're getting stuck and taking 10 steps backwards and just not seeing it and why the hell am I doing this in the first place and I just don't see it right now mm. for them to come in provide strength context uh, some encouragement hold you up get you through over this and remind you why you're there in the first place mm. the value of a group of men mm. you can't be that Marlboro man you can't be that isolated dude that's like Relationships are kind of a pain in the ass. I don't do them, you know. Uh, we call it, you know, <laughs> relation. When you're really in a deep relationship with others, we call it relationship because that's where all of your <laughs> issues come to the forefront, and then you got to deal with it. And it's a beautiful ground to deal with it. Yes. When you've got other men that are safe and connected and committed, that are in the fight with you. Now we got a. We got another battle formation that allows me to invest in my primary one, which is my marriage. But I got another battle formation, my band of brothers, the guys that are in the trenches with me, that are fighting for my heart, that are fighting to free me up as I fight to free them up. Yes. Now let's go. Mm. Let's go. Mm. So question for you, Jim. Um, throughout the conversation, what I'm hearing you reinforce over and over is the foundation is that John 10, 10 verse. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And what I have experienced from you and I've seen in you modeled is that life to the full is available. It is not the yacht and the, or the boat and the plane and the penthouse in, on Miami Beach. Hey, if, if the Lord wants to throw that my way, I mean, sure. who am I to say no? say no? But I don't think it is, yeah. yeah. But there, but, but what, there is life and that life is available to the fullness, to us. The context of our pursuit of that life to the full with Jesus is a world at war. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But the first piece is the thief comes only to, ki to kill, to steal and to destroy. That's the context of the world we live in. The invitation is life. The context is war. There is a journey to go from that life of settledness and resignation that I may be in or striving and then indulging and crap and trying to make life work but I end up just burning burning out there is a journey of healing there is a journey of transformation and the outcome is a heart fully alive a life of passion and adventure and freedom walking intimately with God and becoming throughout the journey the man he created us to be so that we can live in intimacy with him and from our passion not for it, not looking to try to get it, our identity, our validation, but from it, which generates that passion and that freedom. I think that's it. All right, so I want to, with that, I want to throw a little asterisk in there. Yes. A little yes but. And I hate yes buts, but it has to be in there. There's a really good chance that it's not going to unfold like you think it's going to. That's a, almost a guarantee. <laughs> almost a guarantee. So there is fine print. You better read it because uh, it will cause great discouragement if you think you've got it figured out how it's all gonna unfold. Yes. All right, oh, Jim just said this, 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 and this. I should have that done in the next nine months. Yes. Right, and um, can't wait to tap into my life with full, passion, guaranteed stuff. Morgan, our buddy, says, well, he just, uh, this helped me because 
what we didn't say in all this is after you and I met, I went through a season where I got my ass handed to me. Yeah. Where one thing after another, the crash, the economic crash of, I was in real estate, 07, 08, brutal years, lose my entire net worth, um, relational issues because of the financial stress uh, that's put on my marriage. Brutal, brutal time. In addition to that, I have three major surgeries, spine surgery, half my colon's taken out, hernia surgery, a little few years later, shoulder surgery, all intensely painful stuff. But I was living for God. I was doing some of these things we were talking about and absolutely got crushed. So how do I make sense of that? How do I say... I follow the equation. I follow the equation. How do I not lose heart yeah. through that, right? Which brings me back to what Morgan said in his book uh, towards the end, Becoming a King, uh, available in your store near you, um, <laughs> which is the Lord can give you a, a glimpse of, of your calling. Yes. Uh, of your passion. Yes. And you gotta be careful to ask the next question, which is what is the timing for this? Because our assumption is I got it I got the vision, you gave it to me. I'm running. I'm hauling ass into that right now. Yep. And then we get our asses handed to us because uh, we don't have the depth. We don't have the character yet. There's still forging to be done. There are still impurities to be brought up for us to really be going into there, into that calling, into that image, into that passion in the full strength of the Lord. We're going to do it in our strength because we're gifted and we have a great skill set and but that's not what the Lord's looking at so we have to recognize that um, this stuff unfolds under time over time and that most of the great learning and advancement in your walk is going to happen in the valleys I hate that hate it Give me the mountaintops. I can feel good, connected to the Lord. Teach me a few things up there. In fact, why don't we just camp out and stay up here for a while? Mm. Feels good up there. We're affirmed up there. But the true living out of your calling is in the daily grind, is in the trenches. It's in the valleys. It's not even in the valleys. It's in the valleys of the valleys of the valleys. Mm. And boy, are you forged. And Let's see how all this, oh, I trust, I trust. Let's see how it holds up when you're put under that type of pressure, when the furnace is that hot, mm. then you can see the impurities come up. Mm. And you can either say, tap out, I'm out, yeah. I'm out. This, I thought this was a prosperity thing. No prosperity here. Yes. Or get me through this, let me repent of these impurities, forge me. Here's another one that I hate. The Lord is more interested in my character than my comfort. Hate it, hate it, but it's a truth. Can you say it again? The Lord is more interested in my character than my comfort. Mm. I want to be comfortable. Teach me mm. this whole character thing in comfort. Yeah. Don't send me into the furnace, but that's where the true character of a man gets its depth, mm. gets its insights, mm. 
now you're equipped, mm. right? So, you know, I, you know, I don't have any, everything figured out. And that season of, uh, you know, the crap storm, one after another after another, thinking, am I being taken out? Is the Lord unfaithful? You know, all the questions we went to. I'm a Christian man. You know, I, I did some work. Thought I had it figured out. I, I think I had a formula. It was working pretty good. And then that all happened. And I didn't see that coming. Hmm. I saw the plane and the yacht coming. That's hmm. what I saw coming. And I was going to do cool things with that plane, by the way. I was going to load it up with medical supplies and mission stuff, and we we're going to fly down the islands. We were going to do a lot of good. Yeah. That's what I saw. Mm. You know, I'm still open to that <laughs> happening. But that's what I saw, and I saw it happening soon. Mm. And then all of that happened. And the mm. Lord wasn't done crafting me yet. Mm. He wasn't done shaping me yet. Uh, and I don't know if I was fully clay in his hands until that moment and so I had a lot to work through a lot of growing and I made the the one thing I kind of got right is I made the decision through all my bitching and moaning to learn from it to really dissect it and what's going on where am I coming up short uh, in all this external stuff these waves are knocking the crap out of me yes so do I just need them to go away or do I need to learn from them and I wanted to learn from him. I really did. Do not waste your pain. Don't waste the pain. There's purpose in the pain. Yes. So let's let's go after that. And I I got a little bit of a PhD in that type of stuff. And um, a lot of it hurt. Like we just watched a video of the making of a stunning knife, right? And boy, being put in the furnace and how red hot it got. And then getting the crap kicked out of it with a hammer, just like uh, this banging and banging and banging and banging. And then the grinding and the and grinding the and the grinding and the, and the twisting. And like it was, it was just a beautiful illustration of what the Lord wants to do to us as a man to turn us into this gorgeous, gorgeous tool in his hands. Yes. For his glory to have a very real impact. But it doesn't happen in the superficial realm. It doesn't happen in our own strength. More damage is being done, in my judgment, brother, in the world by guys carrying a banner, waving it, whether it's Republican or Christian or whatever it is, and, and charging up a mountain in his own strength. And it's a good cause but it's not the cause that the Lord has called. You know, that's a judgment. I'll own that without really taking the time to allow the Lord to shape you on the inside before you head into your passion. And a lot of that's uncomfortable, but boy, is it fruitful. So I say that because that asterisk needs to be there. Everything else we talked about could lead you to believe I got a formula. I got a formula, and if I just follow that formula, I think I got this. Mm. Mm. Let's be careful not to put the Lord in a box because he is wild and adventurous and weird and just glorious. So let's just stay connected to him in the daily grind 
Let's, let's learn what we're supposed to learn, and then let's see where the adventure goes. Is it worth it? Yeah, so great question because I think I'm just stupid enough to say that I wouldn't have traded all that chaos for what I have right now as a result of it. Wow. It's like, uh, it's bizarre and I want to really make sure that I don't say that as the Sunday school answer because mm -hmm. I hate that. But I really think I believe that. I really think I wouldn't trade that. Now, in the thick of it, Got a little foggy, you know, needed really brothers holding me up. You know, that some of that uh, to die is gain and to live is Christ, to die again. In that heat, when you're getting whacked by the hammer and your red hot glow, and I do it all over in, in a heartbeat, knowing that I, I'm excited about the passion in the calling right now. And, uh, you know, there, there may be a, a lot of forging and um, shaping still ahead of me. I don't think it ever ends. I think your whole life is that journey. We, we have the Holy Spirit in us who's a counselor and an advisor and a guide. So I'm learning new stuff all the time. Um, but that stuff in the valley that was some gut-wrenching learning, and I'm grateful for it. So yeah, the answer to your question is, I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Jim, what would you say to, if you encounter now with your additional miles and your wisdom and the valleys and the peaks, and you were to encounter that young Pablo again, what would you tell him? That's question one. Okay. And question two is now you encounter Jim in that season who was coming alive and moving in his passion but didn't know the, the forging that was ahead of him. What would you tell that Jim? Okay. All right. So I don't know if my message to Pablo would be any different. Yeah. Because at that point, the general message was the same. There's more to you, brother, all right? And uh, the Lord loves you. And uh, your heart is good because he replaced it. And um, you've got some wounds, you've taken some arrows, brother. Uh, and um, I grieve with you over those. But there's hope. And there's a whole adventure out there in front of you. And so don't misread the battle um, draw close, which you were doing, dude. I mean, you mentioned being in a tent. You didn't mention like just pouring over scriptures and pouring over scriptures and being faced with a fork in the road that most people would have gone to the safety of that you said, no, I'm, I'm going this direction, the road less traveled. That was where you felt like the Lord was calling you, right? And um, so I don't know if uh, it would be too much different I think my depth of understanding of the council would be a little different. Uh, I'd have a little more to draw upon, maybe a few more um, watch out for this, watch out for that. Uh, versus sending you out there, good, <laughs> keep in touch. Um, you know, uh, because uh, life, I keep teaching you along the way. And you know, we were a little younger back then. Mm. And um, 
So I think I'd, I think it would still be the same mes message that you're needed mm. and um, fight for it. Mm. Fight for your life, fight for your wife, fight for your family to be and fight for that intimacy with the Lord because he's banging on that door, right? And um, so keep your gaze towards him. Um, and then the second, the second part would be more for me, you know, as I was going through it. And I had a glimpse of this. I wanted to believe this, that there was purpose in the pain. Um, and that, uh, I think I, I would have liked to have done less bitching and moaning. Feel a little bad about that. I think the Lord understands, but I think I, I th um, you know, He knows it. I didn't always do it out in front of everybody else. Sometimes I did. My brothers had to ter tolerate me. There was one point where I was, I was just whining to my brothers that I thought the Lord was arrogant. <laughs> that's how, that's how all messed up I was like. You know, and them just tolerating my knuckleheadedness, keeping me pointed in the right direction, um, and loving on me. And um, yeah, so I don't want anyone thinking I did it perfect. But I learned a lot, and I think I would just be, uh, the counsel would be, you know, um, stay open to what the Lord's doing, stay pliable, don't fight it, um, and don't be so eager to get out of the valley. Can you say but, more to that? Yeah, well, because the tendency is when we're in the valley, we become prayer warriors mm. to get out of the valley. Mm. Fix this, Lord. Change Fix this. Change the circumstance instead of change me. Fix it. Just mm. heal this. Just get me out of here. Yeah. Versus if it's your will, fix it. And if it's not, teach me. Don't let me miss this lesson. Mm. Don't, don't let me miss it. Don't let me go through this pain for nothing. Like uh, I think it's Hebrews 12 or 11 that you know talks about discipline, and um, that you can be trained by it. And there's a big fat if in there. If you make yourself available to be trained by it, you know this can be used by God. If you decide to be trained by it, so you can go through all this and not have it benefit you which is just criminal. Like you can, you can get into that mental loop of how unjust this all is and, and banging on my chest about my rights and everything and end up curled up in a corner sucking your thumb because it can wipe you out. Yeah. Or you can do the best you can by letting go, learning what you need to learn, gaining all the value of the glorious insights through the, the struggle of this adventure, this journey, and come out better, mm. come out stronger, come out more determined for you and your walk and the walk of others, man. Yes. Like, now you have a role in the kingdom that I can share a, a thing or two. I've been there, you know what you're going through? First of all, it sucks, so I'm sorry you're there. Second of all, pay attention, because there's some treasure there for you. Mm. And then let's mine it together. I'd love to be in the trench with you, because mm. I've been there, and I had brothers in there with me, and um, 
I'm willing to be there with you. So let's go. Let's get through this. Don't know how long we're going to be here. Let's be careful about that. But as long as we're in here, I'm in. And um, I truly believe the Lord's going to use this. And that messaging, that uh, mindset, um, that perspective and paradigm, they can make all the difference, brother. I see you mean it because you have been in the trenches with me when I have been in deep trouble, when my wife and I were living in separate apartments and we were contemplating divorce. And when I was in deep depression, not knowing the difference between A and Z. Um, and so I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for not wasting your pain. And thank you for offering your strength in love to me and to the people around you. Um, I know that those years and the miles that you have put in and your walk with God are, haven't been easy, but that they have been worth it, worth it. And that now you're in a season when you, where you want to offer that, that empathy, that strength to those who are a few steps behind you in the journey. Yeah. I had the honor and I've had the honor and I have it today to count on you in that capacity. And I would love if you wouldn't mind to share a couple of words of if I were out there and I'm listening to this conversation and I want more and I don't want to waste my pain and I want to allow God to forge me and I need some guidance, I need some help, I may need some a shoulder to cry on and a, someone to have a conversation with and to give me some interpretation and guidance um, to what extent are you available to something like that and if I were that man how would I reach out to you hmm. all right well first of all I want to say you know when you gave that heartfelt thanks dude that was my honor that was a privilege to fight with another man I mean it's hard to comprehend that but that was, that was as much, if not more, of a gift to me, the privilege of nobly fighting with another man in the trenches for his life and for what the Lord has intended for him and his family. I can't think of a better calling, dude. It's like, it's so, it's a blessing that you allowed me to participate in that fight with you. Um, Yes. And then looking through that lens, I just feel like the Lord has, through this last season, I think the Lord's kind of um, really spoken along those lines of how much of a blessing uh, and how noble of a path it is um, to journey with other men. And so uh, I've started a, a coaching practice to help men kind of work through everything that we kind of talked about today and more because um, the battle's real yeah. and um, the enemy's real, the wounds are real um, and it's robbing joy for men that deserve much better mm. and that the Lord has much more in store for them. Um, and so I'd like to use what I've learned um, and through my own trials and through what the Lord's taught me and what other men have taught me and invested in me, 
Uh, so we've been coaching and we're doing retreats, uh, like you're doing retreats and, um, and I'm doing individual coaching just to help men get context around where they are, if they're stuck, or if they just want the next level, or they just desire freedom, or they can relate to some of the things that we were talking about along the lines of, I'm living my life and externally it looks great, but I can't feel my joy. I don't feel like I'm in my life. I feel like I'm external to my life looking in at it, and therefore I'm not enjoying the moment. Yeah. I'm here, but I'm not here. Yes. What's going on? Yes. Because by the world standards, everything should be fine, yeah. but I don't feel fine. Mm. So what's up with that? Mm. And so just helping uh, guys, um, you know, while I do coaching both men and women, it's really more of a focus on the masculine heart and um, just helping men understand their path, their journey, giving clarity to their story yes. um, and the congruent themes that are running through the story and how those themes may be impacting them today. Um, and how you can get freed up from that and, and start getting into that intimacy and passion by understanding your identity. Um, so yeah, uh, got a little thing called uh, Full Life Institute. Um, and um, you know, we're, we're spending time with guys and it's about as big of a blessing as I could have ever asked for. And um, you know, really feel like uh, I'm being led to do that and there is great joy and purpose in it um, and I like getting out of the way and just allowing the Lord to work through me and see some of the cool stuff that can be done so yeah we're heading into that territory it's a lot of fun um, particularly today particularly in today's world so thank you for the kind words um, and uh, if there's any man out there that's kind of heard or connected with what we've been talking about, certainly open to chit-chatting with them and seeing how we can be of any help. So, yeah. How do I reach, you, reach out to you? It's um, the website is uh, www.full-lifeinstitute.com. That's, <laughs> it's like an infomercial. <laughs> www. <laughs> Let's see, www.full-lifeinstitute.com. And you can reach me by email at jim at full-lifeinstitute.com. I got to get better at spewing that all out. Um, just call the number on the screen and you can get a free set of knives. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Hey, Thank my, my pleasure. This, uh, this lights me up. The, yeah. the opportunity, brother, to be with you. Um, it's a gift. Well, <laughs> it, uh, it is something I am deeply grateful for. I'm so happy to be out here in Colorado with you and to see all the things that the Lord is doing in your heart. Mm. It, it, it inspires me. It gives me, um, and the word that comes to mind is power. Lord, like the Lord is leaning into you and empowering you and men are benefiting from that. And it is such a blessing to see. And you minister to me 
equal to if not more than I minister to you. And I'm grateful for that. And I am so grateful for you and um, your beautiful family and all that the Lord is doing in your life right now. And to think that our paths crossed, you know, 15, 18 years ago, and then has re-emerged with very similar, this is, we talked about this, it, it's mind-blowing to think parting ways, you move all the way across, you can't move too much farther from Miami to California, all the way over there, they come back over into California, uh, Colorado, and then to kind of reconnect, have our paths realign, and to realize that the Lord has been nurturing us and building us in different schoolings but to come to similar conclusions. When we sit here and talk, and you might have a different word for it than I do, but the principles align. Yes. It's, it, yeah, it's mind blowing. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful for that. Um, and uh, I know that the men whose lives are being impacted by you are deeply grateful. Uh, and just want you to know I'm one of them. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. And I hope that this is not our last conversation. No, we need to do tons more of these. This lights me up. And so thank you for the opportunity to do this. And I really do hope we got, uh, we got many more of these to come. <laughs>